This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good people and good organizations step up to help others, and the Mississippi Center for Justice is one of those organizations, and it's such an honor and pleasure to have Charles Lee with us today. He's the Director of Consumer Protection Provision at the Mississippi Center for Justice, and uh, he's here to talk about how they can help um, in this time. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Charles, we're so glad you're with us today. Thank you all for having me this morning. I'm happy to be here. Charles, thank you so much. I mean, would, would you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you're a graduate of our law school, and, and we're proud of that. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background before you uh, became director of consumer protection. Sure. Uh, well, I am a graduate of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Uh, undergraduate school, I attended Russ College in Holly Springs. And prior to coming to the Mississippi Center for Justice, I've worked in various uh, legal uh, legal. Uh, Areas I've uh, done employment law and discrimination, employment and discrimination law. I've also done some products liability work, medical malpractice work, and also uh, worked in fair housing for a while. And I practice in the state of Georgia as well as in the Missis- as in Mississippi. Well, that's great, and I'm so I know that the uh, Center for Justice is so happy to have you. And and uh, you know when you when you as director of consumer protection, the consumer protection division. What what exactly is consumer protection? Well, consumer laws uh, and consumer protection is the practice of safeguarding the public against unfair practices in the marketplace. Um, And these laws are intended to prevent businesses from engaging in fraud or unfair practices to gain an advantage over uh, consumers. And some examples of that would be, for instance, the uh, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which protects consumers against debt collectors and unfair uh, practices of debt collectors. And also something else people may be familiar with are are lemon laws that protect people in the purchase of of vehicles, uh, new vehicles. Right. It's so important. It really affects all of us, you know, and and I know that uh, a lot of what the Center for Justice does deals with uh, economic justice issues. And. This is, these are matters of economic justice, absolutely. Now, how, how has the pandemic impacted how you provide services to Mississippi consumers? Well, we are working from home right now, but uh, fortunately, we have the technology that allows us to uh, do this without any interruption in the services we provide to our clients. Uh, the technology has really made that possible. Uh, some of the things that we've done in the past, such as education and outreach events, uh, and things of that nature we are not able to do in person, but we are able to do those things through virtual means, such as Zoom and Facebook Live. Um, some of the projects uh, that we have done in the past are not able to function as they would. For example, we have a Justice Court Navigator project, which is a pilot project in Hines County uh, that's designed to offer assistance to unrepresented litigants in Justice Court. Uh, and in that program, we've trained college students and law students to provide this assistance under the guidance of an attorney. Uh, since the courthouses are closed, we aren't able to do that particular service. Uh, and since the schools are closed, we don't have the volunteers that we've had in the past. However, we are going out into the community and working with various organizations and partner organizations to do some of these presentations through a virtual means. Uh, so that's been one of the things that has changed uh, uh, drastically, but we're still able to provide that service. We all face 
uh, financial pressures during our lifetimes. But this is unprecedented, and, and Mississippians are are really facing, you know, as the rest of the world is, you know, an unprecedented situation. Are there any special protections in place for Mississippians during the, the pandemic? Right. Uh, sure. Mississippi does have some protections in place. Uh, one thing I think of specifically is the uh, Mississippi Home Savers Program. And that program allows individuals who have mortgages who have fallen behind on those mortgage payments as a result of the pandemic to receive assistance from from the state uh, through the Home Saver Program. And, and there is a website for that. It's mshomesaver.com. Individuals can go there to apply for, for relief uh, to help them remain in their homes, which is important. And some of the important work that we do at the center in the Consumer Protection Division. Um, so that's one of the things that Mississippi does provide. We don't have a lot of consumer protections for Mississippians, uh, but, but that's one of the things that, that is available at this time. You know, but there's also. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say there's also relief uh, from the federal government that that's uh, for mortgages as well, and that's through the uh, CARES Act. Uh, and there are protections put in place for homeowners with mortgages that are federally backed, such as the FHA, VA, USDA, Fannie Mae, or Freddie Mac loans. Now, that would, does that also apply for renters as well as uh, people who are uh, homeowners? That does not apply for renters, and I know that the moratorium that the state had available for uh, for people who were renting to protect them from evictions is going to expire soon, uh, and, and that's something that, that we are concerned about um, because individuals need to have a place to, to remain safe uh, during this uh, virus and the pandemic. Right. It's, it's you know, and it's it's so you know the the. the the effect of this obviously is, uh, you know, goes to a lot of different places because if we, when you protect renters, which I think is absolutely essential, landlords, you know, a lot of times landlords are depending on that rent each month to stay afloat themselves. So, you know, if they're not getting that rent, you know, that affects them. And I, and I do think the CARES Act had provisions to try to help with some of that, but we're still not sure how that's going to play out. I, I understand. Right. There are some provisions in the CARES Act for, to protect uh, to protect owners of properties that are that are being used as, as, as rental property. Uh, and there are some more specifics about that that I could explain to somebody if they had a particular question. But but the CARES Act does provide some of that relief uh, for uh, owners of properties uh, and rental properties. We're going to continue our discussion with Charles Lee, the Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. But would you like to know where you can hear more about the Mississippi Center for Justice? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from our webpage, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows, 
I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We want to remind you that on our April 21st, 2020 podcast, we discussed housing with the president from the Mississippi Center for Justice. You can find that information. You can find out oh, a lot of information about the CARES Act, what, uh, what federal mortgages that the CARES Act provides protection to, talking about the uh, Executive Order 1466, which provides uh, the, uh, the moratorium on foreclosures and the information about the landlord-tenant law. All of that information is on the in legal terms from April 21st, 2020. But you could also check out the website for the Mississippi Center for Justice. And that website is MS Center for Justice. And the four is F-O-R dot org. This morning, we're talking about consumer protection. We're talking about debt collectors, predatory lenders. We're talking um, with Charles Lee, the Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. Charles, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the specific ways uh, the Center for Justice is helping Mississippians with their consumer protection issues. I mean, many are having trouble paying their debts due to loss of revenue. Uh, Money Talks was uh, alluding to that and, and you know, how the stimulus patch, package will help, but people will still be, be in debt. So are there laws to, that can help people, you know, if they're getting swimming in debt and you know, trying to forestall debt collection? Well, there's some things that we can do to assist people who are, uh, are experiencing that debt collection issue. Uh, right now, uh, with the legal actions related to debt collection, they aren't taking place since the courthouses are not uh, open. But we expect to see a, a, a sharp increase in, in those cases once that does happen, once the courthouses and, and that stuff is functioning again. Uh, unfortunately, we don't offer any financial support, but what we can offer are solutions, guidance, and representation when individuals find themselves uh, behind on consumer debt or think they've been the victim of some type of consumer fraud. Well, that's that's important to know. Now, um, what so what what types of things uh, do consumers come to you uh, with when it comes to their debts? What kind of issues would they bring to you? Oh, there are various issues. Uh, we see a lot of student loan issues, and I wanted to jump back to some of the information in the CARES Act about student loans, uh, just to make sure people were aware that, that there is a forbearance on student loan payments right now uh, uh, that's in place to prevent uh, to help people uh, who are going through the who are experiencing the pandemic right now and experiencing the loss of income uh, maintain their student loans, and the, so the payments are suspended currently, and so that's a great benefit for individuals that we're we're able to offer that advice to individuals as well. Well, uh, we see people coming in with uh, medical debt. That's also a big issue for individuals right now. Uh, and all other types of consumer debts, credit card debts, uh, small loans, um, anything you can think of that touches a consumer, we, we usually deal with it in our office, and we get calls about it. Well, and foreclosure all... prevention as well. So, well, that's great. And it's so, it's so important. I'm thinking about, you know, I think about our students who uh, just graduated from the university or just graduated specifically from the law school and I know some that had jobs that uh, they were expecting to to uh, move into right after law school. Uh, but, the, you know, there's uncertainty about the bar exam right now and when it's going to be offered. And there's also, uh, you know, uh, the jobs are being suspended until things get better. So, you know, it's good to know there's a resource like uh, the Center for Justice that can help students understand, you know, how to uh, de- defer their student loan payments. So, 
I know that's really helpful. I mean, what what should a listener do if they find themselves behind on consumer debt? Well, what, the first thing they should do is contact the individual who they owe the debt to, the company or the credit card company or the mortgage servicer, and, and let them know that they are uh, in a situation where they aren't able to pay the debt right now. And the uh, next thing is to find out if there are any options that are available for them uh, to uh, make other repayment plans or, or postpone the debt or uh, maybe uh, work out a different payment plan or change the date of the, of the payment that's due to see if that will help them out and be able to make the payment and uh, maintain that obligation. I think we're finding out that a lot of the debt holders, they understand what is going on now. Um, I was talking to one of the experts from Money Talks, and she, you know, during the pandemic had just gotten off schedule. You know, you don't know that it's Wednesday. You don't know if it's Tuesday. You forget what day it is. And she had forgotten to make a payment on a credit card. And she just called and told them and said, hey, I forgot to make a payment. And they waived the uh, non-payment fee and also said it wouldn't be reported to the credit agencies during this time. So she was very thankful. But she did take the initiative to contact the credit card issuer so that and communicated the problem and I I think she felt that that was a very good uh, to have that communication to uh, and, and they were understanding during this time because everyone is going through this Charles, but I would like to say about that, uh, what ahead. you were just saying earlier about uh, communicating with your with the person you owe the debt to, that's very important. And that's probably the most important thing an individual can do in regards to uh, having issues with the payment of a debt. Contact the, the servicer of the debt and let them know the situation. I mean, they usually would like to do something to help you. Uh, a lot of times people are afraid and they bury their heads in the sand and don't and ignore notices about, about debt that they owe. And that's probably the worst thing a person can do. Uh, there are always situations and, and solutions to some of these debt problems, and we can help people with those situations uh, as long as they communicate with us or communicate with the, with the uh, holder of the debt to make the situation better or to resolve the situation in a way that's beneficial to everyone. We do have a call. Let's go to Bertrand, who has called in from Itabina. Bertrand, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Good morning. I have a question. Uh, before the program is over, is there any way he could leave his information in touch with Bertrand, you were breaking up. You were asking about getting some information. Can you repeat that, please? Yes, I was asking, uh, would your guest on the show this morning leave his contact information before the show is over? So if someone wants to contact him in the future, we could do that. Oh, we certainly will. Uh, Charles, we mentioned that the Mississippi Center for Justice website is MS. Centerforjustice.org, but a lot of people don't have access to the internet. Is there a phone number where you or someone else from the Center for Justice uh, could be reached or leave a message and then reach back out to individuals? Sure, I'll give my my direct number and the extension for that. I'll give my the the main number and the extension for my number uh, at the office, and that's six zero one three five two. And I'm at extension 104. All right. Thank you, Charles. We will mention that later in the show also, Bertrand, in case you didn't have a pencil or in case somebody else wants to uh, get that number and they didn't have a pencil. Bertrand, uh, thank you so much. Did you have another question? Uh, No, just keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. You are quiet. All right, goodbye. 
Thank you, Bertram. Um, you know, I, Charles, I, I know the Center for Justice, along with uh, helping people with debt generally, uh, has taken the, the really the front, the lead in, in dealing with predatory lenders uh, for, for quite some time. What exactly are predatory lenders? You know, this in these times, you know, it seems like they are uh, even more likely to thrive. How does that work? Well, predatory lenders are, are uh, individuals and organizations that take advantage of, of – well, I'll say they have terms that are that are more advantageous to themselves and to the consumer. Uh, we think about title loan companies and payday loan companies uh, when we think about predatory lenders, and, and those are the type of institutions that we usually uh, work with, work against. They're working against consumers uh, or against the consumer interest because they have these uh, – financial uh, tools, financial services that they offer, but they're for short terms, the amount of time that you have to repay those loans are, are very short, and the interest that you pay on those loans is very high, and there are also fees associated with it that are not uh, beneficial to consumers, but are very beneficial to the individuals who are making those loans. Uh, these predatory loans prey on minority communities, uh, individuals who are not sophisticated financially, and uh, individuals who are paid usually once a month and who have bad and who may have bad credit scores. We have another call who uh, for our Charles Lee, our guest, the director for the Consumer Protection Division at the Mississippi Center for Justice. We're so glad that Jeff from Tupelo has called in. Jeff, thanks for calling in legal terms. What's your comment or question? Uh, my, my comment, uh, well, my question is is about timeshare. Timeshare? I don't know if, yes, ma'am. I, I don't know if that really qualifies for what y'all talking about. But I got in a timeshare, and you know all of the things that they told me. You know when they was, uh, you know when I was getting it, you know they would tell me, oh, it's great. It's, this and you can get this and you can get that and you can do this and you can do that and you can sell it back or you can you know all the things but then once I decided I didn't want it especially with the uh, this uh, pandemic pandemic going on I know I wasn't going to do much more traveling or you know anything like that for probably some years and I asked them about you know, getting out of it or whatever, and could they sell it and all of the things that they told me that they could do. And now, you know, they're saying they can't do it. And so what's the best way to get out of it? Or how do you get out of it? Well, what I'd like to say is that uh, this is a, a financial a, a transaction, a consumer transaction, like any other transaction. It's not something that we handle on a on a regular basis or that I've handled before. But what I could do for you is to to review the contract that you have with them, because I'm sure you have a contract with them that sets out the the terms and obligations of each party, and we can go through that and review it and determine what methods are available for you to maybe cancel that contract if that's possible, or to uh, to uh, figure out a way that makes a contract uh, something that uh, the company would be willing to take back if that's something that's possible. Okay. Jeff, Charles gave out his phone number earlier in the show. The the phone number for the Mississippi Center for Justice is Mm 601-352-2269, and Charles's extension is 104. You could also contact the Mississippi Center for Justice by going to their website, mscenterforjustice.org. 
Well, that's that's. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate you calling in. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. We have another call who has called in. This is James, who has called in. Uh, James, thanks for being part of In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question for the show? Okay. Well, my comment is, again, a question also is uh, uh, my neighbor bought a piece of equipment in in 2018, brand new. And he, uh, he he's now deceased. He passed away, and his wife wanted to sell it. And the company that he bought this uh, equipment from uh, financed it. So I paid it off, and when I got the title back, it was a 2017. Now, the, he bought it in June of 2018, and they told him it was, of course, it was brand new, but it was a year-old older model. And so I called uh, the company and uh, the, pro- the company up in uh, Texas, and the lady told me, and I gave them the VIN number, and she said it was a 2018. And that's, you know, that's what it should have been. But uh, she said I had to go back to the dealer and get them to redo the title. And when I did, they said, no, they couldn't do that because it was a 17. So what should I do? I would probably advise you to have the manufacturer that you contacted who indicated and, and verified that it was a 2018 contact that dealer and, and advise the dealer that it should be listed as a 2018 on the title. I'm sure that okay. they would uh, they would listen to the to the manufacturer. Yes, sir. I, I, that's exactly what we did. And when we did that, the dealer, the dealer called us back and said that another person, not the lady that we talked to, but another person said, no, it wasn't an 18, it was a 17. But it was sold brand new in 18, and they advertised it as an 18, but when the title come back, it was a 17. And the manufacturer said it's a one manufacturer said it's a seventeen. Yes, the manufacturer, yes, one person at the manufacturer's office said it's a seventeen. The other person at the manufacturer's yes, office said yes, it was an eighteen. Exactly, exactly. I would try and get something in writing from from them to indicate what it actually is, so you'll have something to work with. I do have uh, I do have an email from them saying it is a seventeen. But sounds I like it's a seventeen. A, yeah, but I didn't get an email from the lady that told me it was an eighteen. So I'm in the process of trying to do that. Okay, I think you're on the right track for sure. Uh, has it has it impacted the price of the of the, of the item that you purchased? I mean, with the the difference in the year, uh, is there a difference in the well, price? Well, yeah, that, I mean, it, we're talking. You know, I mean, we're talking twenty three thousand dollar piece of equipment, and uh, and and nowhere on the finance papers that I looked at where he financed it with them had the the year model had the VIN number and the description of the vehicle, but uh, it did not have a it didn't have a year model. And the only paperwork that I that the lady had was uh, that uh, was the VIN number and the description of the vehicle, but nowhere on any of the paperwork said it was a seventeen until we. Got well, when the vehicle was licensed, when it was when it, when you when they applied for the tag for the vehicle, does the does the tag indicate what year the vehicle was? Well, I mean, that would it, well, let me back up. It's a it's an ATV. It's an off road vehicle, you know. And, uh, I would think they would so, still have to have it when they get the tag. They have to indicate what year the model the vehicle is because that determines what never, the price of the. Yeah, they never did. They never did. When he when I paid it off for the lady, 
you know, the, uh, when I paid it off, they said uh, they come back 17. I said, whoa, I bought it as an 18. She said it was an 18. She advertised it as an 18. And um, the company said, no, it's a 17. One person said it was 17. The other person said it's an 18. <laughs> just trying to think through the situation. Did you finance the, the payments on the vehicle, or did you just pay those in cash to her, or did you use a financial institution to help with that? If so, did well, they the company do any? That sold, the company that sold the vehicle uh, financed it for, the, for her husband, you know, and he financed it with that corporation you know James and, how did you pay the the financial oh, now, institution I paid I, I bought it from the lady and just wrote her a check and she paid it off okay and I was just trying to figure he, out if maybe you had a financial institution that, that no, looked no, into no. The, the titles no, okay no we're not no 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 I, I had the money and I paid it off and when I got the title back it it was a 17 not 18. Well, well, I think you should continue to try and get that email from the individual, the, the young okay. lady who's at the office, and uh, you can contact our office, and we can see if there's something we can do to assist you in this process to determine what the actual year of the vehicle is. Okay, uh, I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I really do, and I've got all the paperwork and all the VIN numbers, and, you know, the vehicle is still, like, brand new, but uh, it's just a matter of uh, it's supposed to be an 18, they say it's a 17, so I need to know which one it is, you know. I understand that. It's very important, for sure. James, we appreciate you calling in. Charles was good enough to give the phone number for the Mississippi Center for Justice. It's area code 601 601- Three five two 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 six nine, and Charles's extension is one zero seven. The website for the Mississippi Center for Justice is ms center for f o r justice dot org. I'm I'm a big believer in the in the power of Google. I would type in the VIN number in Google, see what Google says about that. We are talking with Charles Lee, the Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. Oh, and by the way, I am not a lawyer, so do not rely on my information as any kind of legal advice. We're talking about some of the services that the center offers. And if you would like to know where you can hear more about assistance with consumer debt, I will tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are lots of different podcasting platforms. I happen to use Podcast Addict on my Android phone. I downloaded it to my phone. I touched the plus, and that takes you to a page to search 
for podcasts. You can either browse and look at different types of podcasts or you could search for a specific name. I type in in legal terms in the search area and it brings up in legal terms. Then I'm able to touch a photo and subscribe. That way it's a part of all my regular podcasts and I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking about consumer protection with our guest, Charles Lee, from the Mississippi Center for Justice. And I want to remind everyone that MPB's Money Talks recently had a representative from the National Foundation for Consumer Credit on their show. You can hear their podcast from May 12, 2020 on Money Talks website, which is moneytalks.mpbonline.org and it has some links to the National Foundation for some consumer credit and links to articles that they have written about dealing with consumer debt during this pandemic time. But we have a phone call waiting for us. Let's go to Bill in Ridgeland. Bill, thank you so much for contacting In Legal Terms and being part of our show. What's your comment or question today? Uh, This is in response to the gentleman that called about the timeshare problem. I have um, heard advertisements on the radio by individuals and companies that provide a service of getting people out of timeshare contracts. And if he could Google timeshare relief, um, I'm sure he can find a company that for a fee will try to get him out of his timeshare. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, We appreciate you passing along that information. We now have an email that we'd like to go to. Uh, Professor Gershon and uh, Mr. Lee, this is from Craig, and he asks, if a landlord illegally changes the locks on a house to evict someone and then the tenant breaks back in, is the tenant breaking the law and then could he stay there? Uh, what I would like to say is that, that uh, I'm, not the, I'm not the housing uh, director at the Consumer Protection the Center for Justice, but I would say that they have to receive notice if there's going to be an eviction or lockout of someone uh, from the property. And I don't think they can just change the locks uh, and lock the person out. In regards to breaking back in, that, that's something that uh, needs a little more examination and probably more facts to determine uh, what the appropriate answer would be to that question uh, uh, if we had more facts or if they could contact our housing director to get some to provide some more information i'm sure that somebody could give them an answer to, to that question that they have and, you know i think one one good rule of thumb is no self-help right i mean you know it, rather than breaking the lock you know get somebody let, notify somebody that your your landlord has locked you out uh, inappropriately, that you still have a right to be in that in that uh, place, and you know, take some steps. If you, I think if you just, you know, self help is always always a problem. You know, get somebody else to help you. I, would Would you think, Charles, that that's probably? Oh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely don't uh, break back into the property. There are other ways to resolve that. We're speaking with Charles Lee from the Mississippi Center for Justice. We're talking about consumer protection. We're talking about. Um, 
foreclosures, bankruptcies, predatory lenders, consumer credit problems, especially during this pandemic time. Also, we have our expert host, Professor Richard Gershon, is on the line with us. And now we have a phone call from Henry, who's calling from Louisiana. Henry, we appreciate you calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Uh, yes, can you hear me okay? Uh, yes, we can. Go ahead. Okay, I'll be trying to be real quick. I'm a truck driver, so when I come to Mississippi, I kind of listen to you guys. This is a response to the gentleman that had a timeshare issue. Uh, I just recently was successful in canceling my timeshare. Uh, he is correct. When they pull you in those meetings, they promise a lot of things, but we realized that it was not course, there were a lot of comments that were given. My recommendation to the gentleman is to do like the gentleman said, to read the contract. If you can do it, certain contracts, you have to do it within a certain 7, 14-day period. Beyond that, I just kept writing letters to the timeshare company saying that I, was, I needed to cancel it. I did try timeshare exit company. I would not recommend them because they do try to get you for eight to ten thousand dollars on the hook and you don't even know if you've gotten out of the timeshare. But we just kept writing a letter every month to the timeshare company threatening to cancel and I did stop payment for a little bit and, it, and eventually they did go ahead and cancel. So I just wanted to share that. Henry, we appreciate you sharing your personal experience with us. Thank you very much for calling into In Legal Terms. Thank you. Well, thanks, Henry. And, you know, uh, Charles, I know one of the things that, that uh, the Center for Justice helps with and, and your department and your division helps with would be people who are victims of scammers. So what, what kind of scams have, uh, have you seen, uh, you know, happening? And what advice do you have for, for people who might be a victim of a scam? Oh, well, especially during the coronavirus and, and COVID-19, we, we're seeing a lot of people who are uh, – uh, they're increasing scams related to vaccines, uh, test kits, cures or treatments, and filter systems designed to remove COVID-19 from the air in your home. Uh, there is no vaccine for this virus. Uh, there is no cure. And if you receive a phone call, email, text message, or letter uh, with claims to sell you any of these items, it's a scam for sure. Uh, you have to avoid things like that. Uh, the best thing to do is to just find testing where it's available in your area and uh, follow the advice of the uh, the organization that's doing the testing. We also see fake charity scams in any type of uh, natural disaster or disaster, uh, and that's the same here with the coronavirus. There are scams out there that are trying to uh, take advantage of people and indicate that they're charities when they actually are not. Uh, what you want to do is make sure that you don't uh, uh, give any information out over the phone, that you should not give out any of your personal uh, information uh, where a person could uh, gain access to any of your finances. Uh, we also see scams targeting Social Security benefits and, and also targeting the benefits that individuals are receiving as a result of the coronavirus economic stimulus uh, payments that people are receiving. Uh, and individuals are providing information uh, about their banking uh, routing number and things of that nature. You need to avoid doing things like that. And the Social Security office uh, will not call you uh, to contact you about your uh, benefits and where they should be mailed. Uh, any of those benefits will be mailed to the address where they've been mailed before if you're receiving those types of benefits. Uh, and you shouldn't give out that information either um, by phone. That's great or text advice. Or email, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great advice. I mean, I, you know, I think I, we. Uh, I mean, it's really kind of frightening how information gets out there. I know my daughters were talking the other night about how uh, 
one of them uh, mentioned, uh, you know, a, a movie uh, just offhand, and, and not to anybody, but her phone must have heard it because the next time she uh, did a Google search, uh, something about that movie came up, you know, uh, as an ad. So, um, you know, there, that information, if we think it's private, it, it's, it's really not. We've got to be real careful with that. Now, what, uh, you mentioned the, the kinds of uh, things that people can do to protect themselves. Are there laws in place that help someone who is, who is a victim of a scam? Right. Well, what I do uh, with the client, if they were the victim of a scam, the first thing I would advise is to, to make a report of that uh, scam to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, because they're in charge of handling those types of things. And, and there's a website people can go to to file a complaint with them, uh, and that's ftc.gov slash complaint. Uh, and that's probably one of the first uh, steps that should be taken in that process, if you believe you've been the victim of a scam. Well, that's, a, that's, that's important. I mean, and you mentioned uh, some of the things that people can do to protect themselves from being scammed. Um, you know, what, what types of things, what, uh, are there any specific scams that, uh, that people should be aware of that are taking place now? Well, I was talking about the coronavirus scams earlier, uh, just scams that are involving uh, uh, providing uh, money to charities. Uh, people are setting up fake charities, and that happens all the time in, in disasters. Uh, uh, anybody who's seeking to provide you with services to protect yourself from the coronavirus, such as vaccines or, or certain type of devices that would protect you from the virus, those things are usually scams as well. Um, I would avoid anything like that, uh, anything that's requiring you to pay money or any high-pressure sales pitch to uh, to uh, uh, have you provide money, uh, I believe it would more than likely be a scam. It's always best to just do your due diligence and, and follow up if anybody calls you about information like that, if you feel so inclined to donate. Uh, but what I would do instead is find a charity, if you want to donate to a charity uh, that you know is reputable, and just make a donation to that particular uh, organization instead. Where can you find out more information about scams, phishing, and fraud? I'll tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. For being a part of In Legal Terms. If you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show in legalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking with Charles Lee, the Consumer Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. We want to remind our listeners that up next at 11 a.m. is our Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. And this show's website will have a list of places to report scams and also will provide tips for avoiding scams, such as the National Center for Fraud for Disaster Fraud Hotline. That phone number is one 
866-720-5721. Or you can email them at disaster at leo.gov. You can report information to the IRS. Their uh, email address is phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, at irs.gov. Charles Lee mentioned the Federal Trade Commission. They have information about scams. And the Mississippi Attorney General's Guide to Consumer Protection will also be on our website. We have three phone calls to get to before the end of our show. Let's go to Roz in Washington County. Roz, thank you so much for contacting in legal terms. What's your comment or question? Well, my comment is... I did hear the answer to the question that I was going to ask, but uh, recently, I think it may have been around March, someone gave me a website to purchase some of the items that, you know, that were in short supply in my area, and I went to the site. I was unable to purchase anything. They said my name didn't match my card, but I did pass the information on to other people to make a purchase. And they did make a purchase using their PayPal account. Well, when I my son called me and told me don't go to that site because he tried and it came up an alert from his bank saying that it was a fraudulent site. And the other people that went on this site and purchased their items, tried well, did purchase their items with a PayPal account, have not received their items as of yet. And this was in March. So uh, I did hear the numbers that you gave, and I will pass that information on to the people that lost their money trying to make, you know, some of these purchases for the items that were in short supply. Roz, we appreciate you giving out that cautionary tale. And, yes, I will get from Charles Lee from the Consumer Protection uh, Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice and some of the information we've accumulated from Money Talks. And we'll try to have as much information on this show's website about predatory lending and phishing and scams. Thank you so much for calling in. Let's go to Lois, who's called in from Quitman. Lois, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Uh, yes, ma'am. I want to say something about them scams. I was had an issue with Medicaid and Medicare, okay? And they were trying to fix me to cover my medicine and, you know, so on. Well, all of a sudden, out of the blue, here comes this foreign number that i never seen. And wanted to know my date of birth and my social care. I said, excuse me, and I hung up. Good and for you. Ca- you did the right thing right there. That's a, the exact thing you should have done. And I did. And then I called the Medicaid back. And they said, no, ma'am, those are not our numbers, which I knew that when I saw that 267 area code. That's bullcrap. So be aware, because I know they're out there. Thank you, Lois. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, Charles, we have a couple of minutes left. Remind us what you should and shouldn't give out over the phone, and if you suspect that the person you're calling is not really from the IRS or from the Social Security Administration. 
Right. I wouldn't give out any information, any personal information, uh, phone, uh, your address, your social security number, a date of birth, any of that information, credit card numbers, anything like that over the telephone. Uh, if it's somebody calling from a government agency, uh, it's more than likely not uh, a genuine call, uh, a, a, a real call from an agency. I would ask them for a phone number, try and call them back, ask if they can give you a number, provide you with a number where you can call them back uh, to confirm that it's uh, maybe an agency or, or not. But uh, more than likely, it's not a, a genuine call. Uh, I would avoid those. And just uh, just use your common sense in a lot of these situations by not providing information that could lead to anybody being able to use that information to, to gain access to your finances or financial uh, tools or create credit cards or any other or, or take out loans in your name. You want to avoid all of those things as much as possible. Should people look at their credit scores and credit reports regularly? Right. Everybody should review their credit score and their credit report. Uh, it's very important that they do that uh, because that's going to determine that their future financial opportunities in the future. It's going to determine how much you pay for a car loan, how much you pay for a mortgage, the interest rates you'll pay on your credit cards. Uh, it's just very important. And through December uh, of 26, through December 31st of 20. 26, all U.S. consumers can get six free credit reports every 12 months from Equifax. Uh, and we'll have that information available at the end of the show uh, or on the website there. I can provide that to Liz as well, uh, where you should go to get that uh, free credit report. And also check annualcreditreport.com. That's, that's so important because that way you can also see if someone has done uh, something to hurt your credit that you didn't know about. Right. You want to check for any uh, inaccurate information. Uh, make sure there have been no credit cards opened in your name or any type of loans or anything of that opened in your name. And you can also dispute any inaccurate information as well uh, on your credit report. And we have some information we'll share with Liz as well to help you uh, go through that process and make it a little uh, easier for you to do. Um, that's, that's something that everybody should do. Uh, Charles, every our, year. our hour has just flown by. We want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. That was Charles Lee, the Consumer Protection Protection Director at the Mississippi Center for Justice. Man, that th- this hour goes by faster each week, Professor Gerson. It sure does, Liz, and this was great information. Thank you, Charles. Thank you all. We appreciate uh, Michelle McAdoo and Jay White, who have worked with us with here at uh, MPB. So per- for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll join us next Tuesday for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.